Good morning again, Lindsley Avenue. It's good to see everyone today. It's good to have some visitors. Uh, if you're here for the first time or here for the first time in a while, we are glad you're here. You are always welcome here at Lindsley Avenue. Tell you don't even have to do anything to your hair before coming in to services. Just get on up and come in. You're always welcome here at Lindsley Avenue. We uh, we miss you when you're not with us. I know we've got speaking of not with us, we've got a good group of people who are out of town or otherwise unable to be here. Or we've got several watching online. Uh, wherever you are, you can always tune in during worship services here at Lindsley. We are glad to have you however we can. Uh, this morning, the topic of the lesson is anatomy lesson. Some weeks ago, we had a history lesson, so I thought uh, in my humorous approach to things, we'd have an anatomy lesson. It's not going to be focused like it might have been in school days, dissecting a frog. I don't know why we all had to do that. Uh, it grossed out half the class, and the other half simply made chop suey out of it most of the time, uh, as I recall growing up. But anatomy lesson. And I want us to focus on some of the things Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Phil read a couple of those verses earlier. So join with me here this morning. The handout is only the first half of the page. It's not missing. It wasn't a two-sided copy that didn't go through. But there are some pictures and images I want us to be thinking of. And we'll have some additional commentary as we go through it. It won't be just on the handout. The handout is the framework for you this morning. Picking up in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body are many, uh, though many are one body. When you look at our own bodies, our bodies are, are incredibly awesome. They're, they're incredibly complicated. They are amazing. Uh, we have hands, feet, eyes, and ears, and sometimes one of those parts may get injured or may have a problem. But our bodies are put together with different parts. And you have parts for each function. You know, I don't get around too far if I'm trying to walk with my ears. I, mean, I don't suggest you try that at home either. You're going to damage your ear or some of the furniture if you try to walk on your ears. We walk on our feet. And if our feet have problems, we have extra feet. Sometimes crutches, sometimes cane, whatever it may be. But our parts work for different functions, but they make up me. They make up you. In this chapter, I think anyway, Paul had a good sense of humor. He lays out what I think is a rather funny picture in 1 Corinthians 12. So let's look at it. Picking up in 14 uh, down through 27. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Here's what Phil read. For if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body. That would not make it any less part of the body, no matter what it says. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body would be an ear, or were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So I want you to think about something here. I want you to imagine, yes, Mr. Potato. Mr. Potato Head. Uh, in fact, I'm going to ask for a uh, raising of hands here. How many of us ever had a Mr. Potato Head in our lives? For those of you at home, if you're raising your hand, most of us here are raising our hand. Mr. Potato Head. Now, I am old enough to remember Mr. Potato Head's friend. I think it was Cookie, or Cookie Cucumber. 
Yes, it was a long cucumber that the parts also fit in. Christmas, one year, many years ago, my brother and I got one Mr. Potato Head and one Cookie the Cucumber. But the whole point here, Mr. Potato Head, I want you to imagine Mr. Potato Head, take a good look at Mr. Potato Head, but I want you to imagine with what Paul's talking about it, if you had Mr. Potato Head with too many years. I'm fully aware that I did this sometimes. If you had more than one potato head in the house or whatever, you put an ear in the eyeball hole, you put an ear in the mouth. I mean, I've done this kind of thing. This is not a very functional Mr. Potato Head. How is he going to see what's for dinner? How's he going to eat what's for dinner? All he's got is ears. Think about what Paul just said. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of sight, seeing? Where would be the sense of smell? How would you get up and move around? You're all ears. I mean, they even took his feet off in this picture. This is not a very good way to be. Now, I don't know whether there are any human beings that are ever born that have six ears and nothing else. But if that's the case, that's a severely challenged individual to go about any, any sense of a, of a lifetime. So I want you to also imagine Mr. Potato Head, but with too many arms. I've done that too, right? Now that looks like an alien. That could easily be a cartoon alien, but this is also going to be a problem. Now, extra arms could come in real handy. Yeah. Moms in, in the audience could easily say there were times that they wish they had a couple of extra hands. Holding on to a baby and you got maybe something else, you don't have enough arms. So I'm sure there are times for having an extra arm or two might be useful, but not at the expense of your eyes or your ears or your nose, your mouth. Mr. Potato Head's got a problem if he has too many arms or if he has too many ears. Well, Paul's image that he's talking about in this chapter is of a lot of body parts lying around in a corner, all mad because they aren't the important part of the body. Now, which do you think is more important? Is it more important to have eyes or a mouth? Well, if I'm choosing that, I might choose a mouth because otherwise I'm not going to be around very long and we'll be able to eat. But it's good when you have all the body parts. I don't consider my ears necessarily any less important than my eyes or my nose or my mouth. I mean, even the, the mouth and the nose are really important in a lot of ways. I had COVID. I couldn't smell anything for several weeks. That was really strange. It was as if my nose had taken a vacation without me. I couldn't smell anything. My wife tested me out by feeding me foods I don't like, tomatoes. I like ketchup, spaghetti sauce, I like cooking stuff like that, but raw tomatoes, I never liked them. She put them on a plate. I ate the raw tomatoes, couldn't taste them. So I told her they've never tasted better, and that was with no taste, right? But it was as if my part of my mouth had also taken a vacation without me. Paul says, if all the body parts were ears, how would you see? If they were all eyes, how would you walk around? So again, look at the Mr. Potato Head things here. Boy, I wish I had that collection of hands and ears and uh, noses and eyes and all that kind of stuff. If you had all these body parts and they're all mad at each other, it's like they're all brothers and sisters and they're all mad because they're not, they don't think they're the important one. 
or somebody else seemingly is more important than somebody else. So they're all just mad lying in a corner. Now, I think that's a rather humorous picture. The Bible has a lot of humor in it. You have to look for it sometimes because it's not the same kind of humor we have today. But that's the whole idea here. We need a variety of parts. Our bodies need a variety of parts. Who wants a big pile of ears in it? Now, I don't want that in my desk drawer. I don't want that on the floor in the corner, especially with the real ears. Who wants a big pile of ears anyway? Well, real ears? If I had real ears, that would really be a problem. I don't need a drawer of plastic ears where I've got 50 of them. But look as it is here, continuing on. I got Mr. Potato Head, so don't forget about Mr. Potato Head. 1 Corinthians 12, but as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. The, the plan in our, of our bodies is God's design. He has given bodies, the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears, and it's only if something goes wrong in the development or an accident later that causes variation from that plan that he has given us. And so if all were a single member, again, if all were eyes, there's really not a body. You just got a pile of eyes in the corner. If all were ears, you just got a big pile of ears over in the corner. So as it is, again, as it's been designed, there are many parts, yet one body. God designed the body like Mr. Potato Head. It works best when all the parts are working together. I think we all would agree on that. In fact, that's why we tend to go to the doctor. Doctor, my leg is hurting, or my, I'm having trouble hearing out of this ear. When one of our body parts is not working as it is, as it's supposed to, we go and try to get it looked at. Well, the important point Paul makes is really not about anatomy. It's about how a congregation is the same situation. We are the body of Jesus, the body of Christ here on the earth. That's what the church is compared to. And Jesus is the head of the body, and we are all parts of that body. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are eyes and ears. How does that apply to how we are sitting here this morning? I mean, I'm looking around, I don't see somebody that says, you're, you're a hand, you know, because that's Howard and that's David. I mean, we're all here as people. So it's, a, it's an idea, it's a comparison, an illustration, a metaphor. It's how am I part of the body? What function do I serve? Well, think about the functions that are here in Leslie Avenue. Yes, there is a function to speak or to preach. Unfortunately, that tends to get a lot of attention because the person who does that is standing up in front of everybody else for 30 minutes out of every service. There's a lot of focus, which shouldn't be, on the person who's speaking and delivering the message. But that's an important part of the body. Evan has another important role. Song leading. There are roles that are played with serving the Lord's Supper. There are roles played with prayers and reading. Those are fairly obvious public roles, but those are not all the roles. There are other jobs, other things that people do here at Lindsay Avenue that are every bit as important. What might those be? Well, there's a role, there's a member of the body, a way we often uh, help the body by giving. Some people just have a habit of making money. 
that's not necessarily me, but it's like they walk outside and a bag of money falls on their head. I mean, that's when you want to walk behind them and catch things that bounce off of their heads. But some people just, some people, how do they do it? I'm not exactly sure. But if you are blessed with money, you can bless others by giving. Sometimes there's a role for a member just to invite friends and people you know to come to church. And yes, even though she's not looking at me, I'm looking at her right now. That's an important role. Inviting friends or family members to come to church. That's a quiet behind the scenes role. That's every bit as important as everything else we've been talking about. Some people pray for others. Some people have a list. Some people look at the, the bulletin, whether printed or emailed, and they pray for other people. They check on other people. They take food to people if they're sick. There's all sorts of things that can be done. If everyone were a song leader, who would lead prayer? Suppose we all come in next Sunday. Everybody's got their, look, they used to have a pitch pipe or a tuning fork, right? Now it's just a little button on an iPhone to tell you what the note is to start. But if everybody's a song leader, we get up here and we sing and then we're waiting and waiting. Nobody reads. Nobody leads a prayer. Nobody delivers a message to try to encourage all of us. We wouldn't work nearly as, as well together as Jesus' body on the earth if we were all trying to do exactly the same thing. The body parts are jealous of each other. Did you notice that? I mean, the ear is upset with the eye. I'm not an eye. I'm not part of the body. I'm not important as the message really being said there. And unfortunately, again, because some members, some roles are public, they seem important. I've seen lots of times people get really, really upset, sad, because I never get to do a prayer or doesn't matter. I mean, it's okay if you do. It's, okay. it's good if you want to. But the roles that are public are the ones you see. They're not necessarily at all the important roles, the important things that parts of the body do. A variety of skills and roles are needed. Now, church family is fragile. Everyone is needed. We all have a role. Now, that, I don't know whether all of us did this. I've seen it done. I, I will not confess yes or no if I've ever made these. That's a paper doll chain, right? You fold paper and you cut into it, then you pull it apart, and you got some paper dolls. That's very fragile. First of all, it's made of paper, right? It's made of paper, and the fragile points are where the dolls, the paper dolls, are joined together because you cut most of the paper away. You see it right where the hands are? If you're not careful, that chain that makes part of the paper doll family, as it were, can be broken. Church family is very, very fragile. You have to take care of it. You have to be careful. And part of that is not sitting in a corner mad at some other part of the, of the, the family, some other part of the body. All that does is pull on it. Right? It just pulls on it. You pull long enough, what happens to the paper dolls? Okay. And if you've made these for a little child, if you pull on that too hard and you pull it out, right? What do you end up with? Tears. You end up with sadness. And that's part of what can happen 
to this body if we are careful. Now, I think we do a pretty good job of all getting along together. I've been places where it's not as easy to get along as I think it is here at Lindsley. Well, we just, I just want us to remember every part has a function, every function is important, and it's fragile. So find the role, the function, the way you can help, and help. I think that's an important part of the message Paul has here in 1 Corinthians 12. But there's a problem. There's a problem. Remember that image of the pile of parts on the floor, the Mr. Potato Head parts laying on the floor, right? A pile of body parts does not work very well by itself. I mean, Mr. Potato Head requires me to animate Mr. Potato Head. Well, hello there, little boy. You know, I mean, Mr. Potato Head is just a bunch of plastic parts laying around. Well, in a physical way, if we're thinking of physical, if you have a pile of physical hands laying in the corner, Kind of gross. Kind of gross sitting there, right? You got these physical parts sitting here, the hands, the legs, the, the eyes, the ears, whatever it may be. Those parts aren't alive. They're just laying over on the floor. Walk in a room, you see a pile of hands, I'm running out of the room really quick. Well, a work of fiction is trying to make the point that a pile of body parts by itself is not going to really work out very well. And that work of fiction, prediction anybody, what's coming up next? Frankenstein. It is Frankenstein. He's next. I mean, fiction tried to make that point 200 years ago. Yeah, this guy's pretty gruesome looking, but you'd look pretty gruesome too if you were dug up out of the ground and sewed together with a bunch of random parts. So cut the guy a break, right? But look at the picture over on the right side. There's Frankenstein. We even call him Frankenstein's what? Monster. Because he's not something that should have been alive. He's not something that ever should have been put together. The, the story is that they go out and they dig up bodies. They take different parts they needed. They sew them together and you got a dead body lying on the table. Kind of gruesome. Dead body lying on the table. Well, it was lacking life, right? I mean, if you sew a bunch of body parts together, which will get you arrested, so please don't do that. But if you do that in the story, it needed a spark. It needed something to make it alive again because they had dug up the dead bodies and sewed different parts together. We need a spark too. Frankenstein used lightning. You look at the background, there's wires coming down out of the ceiling from that picture. It went up to a lightning rod or something on the top of his castle or his lab. Right? Lightning came down and it zapped him and the monster's hand slowly moved. And one of the most famous scenes in the old movies, it's alive! You know, the doctor's squealing and all that stuff. I can still picture him doing that. Because somehow or other, lightning supposedly made the monster alive. That's the fiction part. That's the fiction part. What's our spark? Frankenstein used lightning and made a monster. What's our spark? Well, our spark comes and gives us life in the same way that in the Frankenstein fiction book, the lightning tried to give the monster life. Well, our spark comes and gives us life because we have all been dead at some point in the past. Ephesians 2, verse 4. 
when we were dead in our trespasses and sins and transgressions, when we were living for ourselves the way we wanted to, doing what we wanted to do, engaged in behaviors that were sinful, we were dead. And a dead pile of body parts or a dead body in the corner, contrary to all the zombie movies and things that may be out there, does not get back up. It is dead over here. We were dead because we had been living in sin, living the way we wanted to do, living the way we were not supposed to live. But notice the rest of that sentence. When we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, living for ourselves, God made us alive together in Christ, in Jesus. God is the one who reanimated us. God is the one who brought us to life when we were dead. We were, in fact, the walking dead. There's the shout out to the zombie thing that's been popular for 10, 15 years. We had no life and no hope to ever live again because we're dead laying in the corner, just like all those body parts. When God saved us, and he did, when God saved us, he gave us that spark that makes us alive. But what is that spark? I would suggest to you we find that spark in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who comes from God and dwells inside each of you? You do not own yourself. Unlike Frankenstein's monster laying on the table, waiting on lightning in, in an imagination story here to bring it to life, we were dead by our own choices. We did what we wanted to do. We, we lived for the flesh. We made choices that we knew we shouldn't do. We violated our conscience. We violated what God had told us in humanity. Every single one of us had done that. When we were dead, without any hope, God sent his son to live and die and pay the price for what we did. So that by believing in him and turning to God, God could bring us back to life. I think that's why baptism, in many ways, is so very, very important. It's not the water. It really isn't. But it's the ultimate expression and the time where God shows us you've got to be dead. You've got to realize you were dead. You've got to decide to let that dead body remain buried. And you do that by plunging underneath the water. Remember the Oreo on the fork from a few weeks ago? It's got to get plunged in the cup of milk, right? That's what the word means. You've got to go underneath the water, not because the water's magic. But because God has said, do this, and when you are raised up, you will be a new person. You will walk in newness of life. You won't be your old self anymore. You will not own yourself because you will be a slave to God instead of a slave to sin. We're all slaves to something. We are. Today. We just celebrated Juneteenth. That's a very important day. And it's horrible, the things that this country and the world has done to other people. But we kid ourselves if we think we're free. We are either a slave to sin today or we're a slave to God. 
a slave to sin or a slave to God. One of them leads to destruction. The other leads to going home to live with God. One question we'll all need to ask, which describes me? Which one describes me? As members of God's family, the Holy Spirit lives within us. You know, the Holy Spirit is something we often don't talk about because there are so many today that, that seem to think that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, it means you should be shouting, jumping around, you should be in tongues or whatever it may be. The important part of being a member of God's family and the Holy Spirit living within you is not any external things that people see, it's the spark. I think it really is the spark and the reason we are now alive is because God's Spirit is living within us. It's bringing that dead body laying in the corner suddenly upright and alive because God's now within me and God is now within you. Well, why do I keep wanting to go pretend to be dead again and do those old things that were sinful? God's the one that raised me, as it were, from the dead because I'm a new person. I've been dead in my sins and now I'm alive. Now I'm alive. That's the important aspect of the Spirit living with us. If you have that spark inside, you are alive because you are living for God and you are alive with God's Spirit within you. If you are alive, there should be evidence of that. If you had a dead body, I don't mean to be all depressing today, talking about dead bodies and stuff, but if there's a dead body over here, it isn't going to do much. Dead body is not going to suddenly speak a poem. It's not going to get up and take the trash out. I mean, what? what? It's dead. Well, if I'm dead, I'm not going to do much from a spiritual perspective. But if I'm alive, there should be evidence of that. Everyone here appears to be still alive. This is good. Everyone here is alive. There's evidence of it. There's heads nodding. There's snores. There's scratching of the ear. Whatever it may be, there is evidence that you are alive. Well, what evidence should show that I'm alive and living for God now? That God's spark is within me. The Holy Spirit is within me. And I'm no longer dead. What evidence should there be? God has given us our spark. The evidence should show, as David talked about in class this morning. I would read Galatians 5, 22 through 23. When the Spirit's living within me, it's got to generate fruit. It's got to generate action. It's got to show that I'm alive. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which really is the sum of the rest of these. Everything else is a variation of love. Love's the important aspect of it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and it shows up with joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It shows up by actions as I am alive that flow out of the love that God has put into my heart because He loves me. And I should show everyone else that I'm one of His followers by showing love for each other as members of the body together, members of this congregation, and show love for everyone. And I do that by being joyful. I do that by being peaceful and not generating strife. 
I do that by being patient with others. I'm so glad people are patient with me. How can I not be patient with them? I do it by being kind. If there's a choice between being hurtful or kind, choose kindness. Take the right path and choose kindness. Simply being full of good rather than evil. Show good toward other people. Being faithful, predictable, following after God, doing what I have said I'm going to do, being gentle instead of harsh, and having self-control. The last one is often the hardest. Knowing that my old self is still going to be trying to come back to life, I'm going to try to be a zombie and drag me back to being dead, I've got to control how I live and how I act. If I have that spark within me. Frankenstein's monsters laying there dead until the electricity supposedly animated it. I was laying there dead. I may have been walking around as the walking dead, but I was dead. Until and unless God's Spirit comes into me and is the spark that makes me alive. Over the next few weeks, thanks to Deb for the idea, over the next few weeks, we're going to study each one of these fruits of the Spirit in more detail because if I say I have the Spirit within me, does my life show itself as it should? That spark shows I'm alive, that I'm a member of God's family. We're going to study those in more detail and make sure that our lives are in fact showing each one of these fruits. Today, my question for you is, is the Spirit living within you? If you are not a member of God's family, then I want to tell you as kindly as I can, you're laying there like a body, maybe moving, but it's truly dead because it's still in sin. If you're not a member of God's family, you can change that because God already did all the work. Jesus did all the work by being sent to live and to die as a perfectly sinless life, paying the price for the sins of all of us. You need to understand what Jesus did. You need to know that he wants you to change the direction of your life. It's an about face. Fancy word is repentance. You turn around and walk the other way, the direction of your life. And then you die to yourself and are raised to live as a new person by being baptized. That's where God wipes all of those sins off of the chart, off of you. You're a new person and the spirit lives within you. If you're a member of God's family, and even just this initial discussion of these fruits, if these fruits don't seem to reflect the way your life has been recently, if one of these seems absent, the tree isn't generating a lot of that fruit, then it's time to come back to the way you're supposed to be. As a member of his family, you have that opportunity to come and ask for prayer. We all need prayer. Ask for forgiveness and encouragement and help to live the way we're supposed to be living. Every part of God's family, every part of the body of Jesus here at Lindsley and elsewhere, very, very important. In many ways, it's more important to make sure we're a part of that body. If there's any way we can help you, this is the time. Please come as we stand and sing.